Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Can we just thank our worship team for leading us so well today. Um, Again, just want to welcome you to City Hope Church. My name's Bobby, and if I haven't got to meet you yet, I want to know you. I want to know who you are, all right? So as a matter of fact, on the count of three, everybody just tell me your name, all right? One, two, three. Come on, that was weak. All right, one more time. One, two, three. There we go. Now we're all friends, all right? We can be real. We can be honest with each other because that's what friends do, right? Um, but I, I want to tell you this today, and, and, and if you've been here with us for very long, you've probably heard us say this. We don't want something from you. We want something for you, all right? That's our heart today. I promise you there's, there's nothing more than, than, man, just connecting with the Lord, connecting with God's people. And so we want to be friends with you. If we haven't got to meet you yet, please stop by. Get a free gift, all right? At least get something free out. At it today, all right? Um, we're starting a brand new series today called Incoming. And for the next three weeks, we are going to be talking about money and finances and what all of that means, right? And so I get it. Some of you already, you're like, oh gosh, here we go, right? Because money brings up so many different emotions. For some of you, money means like safety and security and I'm good, right? We got, we got, and then for others of you, it means like, let's party, right? We got paid. We're going to have a party. We're going to go shopping. We're going to do a lot of fun things. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to dig into God's word and say, what does God's word say about money and about our finances? It's going to be fun. Okay. I promise you. Now, for some of you, you may have heard when it comes to church and it comes to money, you may have heard the old saying, right? The church just wants my money. Anybody ever heard that? You guys heard people say that before. How many of you have ever said that? No, no, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. The, the, the church just wants my money. Well, I'm here to tell you right now that that's not true. I promise you that's not true. Why is that not true? Because our church here, we didn't decide to plan a church because of your bank account, okay? We serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, all right? We don't, it, it doesn't matter what your income is or what my income is. It matters that we're, we're giving God the glory and honor that he deserves, okay? And so I, I promise you the church just doesn't want your money. But if you think about that statement for a second, it's really more of a heart statement than it is a head statement. Why? Because um, Chick-fil-A, they just want your money, okay? Target, Hobby Lobby, um, uh, uh, the movie you went and saw, uh, oh, I'm going to get a little bit personal here, your favorite sports team that you buy tickets to, they just want your money, okay? And you keep going back there, all right? So it's not, it's not a money issue. It's not a, it's not a church just wants my money because we do things all the time, every day, that, that they just want our money and we keep going back there. So, so money, finances, it's not a money issue, it is a heart issue. And so I want to start today, I mean, we're just going to lay the foundation today. We're not going to go too crazy. Next couple weeks, we'll, we'll dig in a little bit. So today's all about the foundation, but, but I want you to get this, and we're going to talk about this throughout this entire series, and, and it'll be here on the screen. Any area of my life that is not surrendered and submitted to Jesus is open to spiritual defeat and the deception of the enemy. 
Now, again, you start talking about money, so many different emotions, right? But any area, whether it's, it's pride, it's unforgiveness, it's sexuality, it's, it's my career, it's my finances, any area that is not surrendered and submitted to Jesus is open to spiritual defeat and deception. And, and your, your uh, uh, generosity, your finances, if it's not surrendered to Jesus, it's, it's, it's not a heart issue. Excuse me, it's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. Now, so again, I want to lay a little groundwork, and, and we're going to use some churchy words today. Uh, one, of the, one of the words you hear a lot in, in churches is tithe. Anybody ever heard of that word? I heard, heard of a tithe, okay? Well, tithe is simply means, uh, it means tenth, a tenth or ten percent or a tenth of something. And the Bible talks a lot about a tithe. And, and, and again, just laying a little bit of foundation, in the Old Testament of the Bible, the tithe was a requirement of the law. Like it was something that you had to do. The, the, the farmers uh, had to bring a tenth, had to bring their tithe of, of the crops that they grew, the livestock that they raised. They had to bring it to the temple. Uh, Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers. You, you can go throughout the Old Testament and see time after time that this was a requirement of the law. One of the a familiar passages of Scripture in the Old Testament uh, is when God promised this. He said, bring the full tenth into the storehouse. This is Malachi chapter 3. So that there may be food in my house. And look what, look what God says. Test me in this way. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. And so as, as humans, right, we can be hesitant to give God a portion. We can be hesitant to bring our tithe. And so what God's saying here, he's like, like come on, test me. If you Put God to the test and he's going to show you that he's going to come through for you. And so, so we see that in the Old Testament. Now, I know some of you here, you're Bible scholars, and you're like, Bobby, that's the Old Testament. We don't, we don't live under that anymore. That's before Jesus. We're New Testament, right? I, 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 praise God. Well, let me share a couple more verses with you. Look what the New Testament says about tithing. Look what Jesus himself says. Matthew 23, verse 23. Look at this. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe, even on the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Look at this next verse, next, next sentence. You should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So there it is. New Testament. He's telling these Pharisees, these religious leaders, you should tithe, but you should also care about justice, mercy, and faith. God asks him, asks us to trust him with our tithe, this real churchy word. But I want you to understand something today. I'm going to give you a little illustration here in a sec. When God talks about the tithe, he's talking about the first 10%. He's talking about the first 10%. Let me, let me illustrate it like this, all right? First of the month, I got my paycheck, okay? And I got my, I got my 10 one. I got my paycheck from City Hope Church. I got $10, okay? Um, so I'm ready. First of the month, let's go. All right. All right, God, here we go. First of the month, I got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, man, Shira wants to go out on a date night, right? And you got to keep mama happy because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? And we've been married a long time, so we can go to cookout. We don't have to go anywhere fancy. But, but I know she wants to go to Hobby Lobby and Target and TJ Maxx and Marshall. So here we go, God. I'm setting it apart. Okay, good. All right, all right. good, 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 good. Uh, God, 
my, my, my middle daughter, I know she's only 12, but she's going to the WNBA. I know she is. She's so good. She's so good. And so I got to get her a new pair of basketball shoes. And, and we just bought some three months ago, but her feet keeps growing. And so I got, I got to get her some new shoes, Lord, because she's going to the WNBA, right? Um, Lord, it's 2023. I got to have Wi-Fi. I got, I got to have Wi-Fi, right? All right, Lord, there you go. Let, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, God, uh, what, what are some other basic things? Oh, groceries. Got to have groceries, right? And listen, we ain't buying those fake Doritos and those fake Pop-Tarts. We got we to gotta have the real thing, right? So there you go, God. I, I, I got that for you. Um, Lord, 2023 came around, and I, I'm, I'm feeling a little heavy. So, so I, 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 got, I can't do no push-ups and run at home. I got to have a gym membership, right? I, got, I can't do it by myself at the house. So, Lord, there, there's some money for my gym membership. Um, you know, Easter's coming up. Easter's, I got to have a fresh outfit. I got to look good at church, right? Got to get some new shoes. Got to get some new shoes. God, it's for you. It's for you, Lord. I got I to gotta be looking good. Uh, oh, we got a house payment, right? Lord, we got to pay for the house. I mean, we got the mortgage. We got the rent. It's, it's coming due. Um, Lord, you know, I can't be driving no 10-year-old car. Right? I, can't, I can't be driving no 10-year-old car. Lord, I got to have something nice. So, so here's, here's my car payment. Um, Lord, I'm going you know, to give to my favorite church, St. Arbucks. I'm going to give to my favorite church, St. Arbucks. I can't be making my coffee at home. What are you talking about? I got I to gotta go get my coffee from St. Arbucks. Okay? Oh, look, look, Lord, I got one left. This is for you, man. There you go. That's, that's all you, Lord. I wonder if any of us can relate to this situation today. But I want to show you something. After I get through my whole list of things that I, I got to do and the things that I want to do and the, the luxuries and the, of, of life, and I got one left, let, let me explain it to you like this. When I, when I give God my last one, this is a tip. This is not a tithe. I'm just tipping God. God, here you go. And, and, and let's be honest again, right? We're all friends. We know each other's name. Let's be honest, right? There's a lot of times when it gets to the last one and, oh, I forgot about that. So, um, God, I don't, I don't really have much this month. And, and, and I think what, what God is really trying to help us to see and, and what we really need to get to understanding is this. When I give God the first tenth, here, here's what I'm saying. God, I believe you can do more with the 90 than I can do with the 100. God, I believe you can support us and you can do more with the 90 than I could ever do and try to figure it out on my own in my own head. So God, here it is. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to give it to you first because I, I know you can do more with it. One pastor said it like this, tithing is not a debt that I owe, it is a seed that I sow. Tithing is not a debt that I owe, it's a seed that I sow. As I was praying through this and, 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 and the Lord was speaking to my heart this week, and I, and I just got this from the Lord. And he says, giving uh, your first is devotion. Giving your last is doubt. When I give God the first, God, it's the first of the month, it's yours. That's devotion. God, I'm trusting you. This is all about you. You can do more with the 90 than I can do with all. Uh, but when I give God my last... I hope, I hope this works. I hope that tithing thing is good. I, I hope that you bless me, God. See, God desires our generosity not because he needs your money, because he wants your heart. He, he doesn't need our paycheck. He doesn't need our bank account. He, he wants our generosity so that he can have everything within us. So I, I think understanding tithe is a, is a, is a pretty 
understandable thing. But today I want to, uh, again, just build a foundation of, of the rest of this series. But I, I do want to get a little personal today. I want to ask you some personal questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to write some of these questions down so that you can kind of marinate on it this week and read about it and think about it and pray about it with your family. But I want to ask you th- these questions and we'll think about it. But f- before we get there, I want to ask you something. I got a little sound bite that I want you to hear. Um, can we play that sound, David? And I want to see how many of you have heard this before. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> What's it mean, Joe? <laughs> Coming. It means a bomb. I always think of uh, Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote, right? Like, you remember that? Remember that old cartoon? Uh, that means incoming. And, and some of you have heard that before. Maybe you, you, you know what comes next, right? That comes and then all of a sudden, pff, an explosion. Well, I was, I was reading about this week and, and you know that that sound is like completely wrong. I don't, know, I don't know if you notice this. So the, the, there's this thing called the Doppler effect. And when dr- bombs are dropped from an airplane, that's what it, this whistling sound is called. It's called the Doppler effect. But what it simply means is the bomb itself has the same whistling tone the whole way. What changes is the distance from the person that is hearing it, right? And so when we hear that, one more time, David, one more time. When we hear this, you hear how it's getting further away? What we're really hearing is we're hearing this from the pilot's point of view. We're hearing it. So if we're on the ground, though, what's going to happen is that bomb, as it gets closer, it's going to get louder. And, and as a matter of fact, and this is the part that I thought was just crazy. It was very genius, but it was crazy. In World War II, during the Blitz of London, the Nazi army actually added whistles to their bombs to increase the sound and terror in an attempt to demoralize the Londoners they were bombing. And this, this incoming sound of here it comes, here it comes, and people begin to freak, people begin to panic, right? And, and it should. And, and, and here's what I want you to think about. As we talk about incoming, as we think about our lives and we think about our finances and our generosity journey that God has us on, whether it's, it's, you can hear it coming or not, but there's this bomb that can drop in all of our lives that is, that is peace shattering, that is soul crushing. When our finances get crazy, everything gets crazy. And many, many, many times in all of our lives, these bombs crash on top of us before we ever even realize it. You know, many statistics say the number two cause of divorce in marriages today are finance problems. Maybe for some of you, the, 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 the noise about the economy, the noise about the next election or who's in office, the, the noise on social media that you hear, and, and, and we see it all the time, right? The sky's falling, man. The stock market's crashing. Everything's crazy. We, we might hear all that, but the true ticking time bomb, the true destruction lies within our checkbooks. And so the the first question I want to challenge you with today and that we're going to talk about for just a minute is why is enough never enough? Why is enough never 
enough. I wonder how many of us have told ourselves, okay, if we can just get to X, if we can just get there, then everything's going to be good. We'll, we'll be fine. We'll be secure. We'll be safe. Everything will be great. And what we do, we drop time, we drop money, we drop work, we do everything we can in, in hopes to get to X. But, but the reality is when the smoke clears and everything else, you know, settles down, what do we find? That a lot of times enough and the X has moved a little bit further away. Right? Man, I thought if we could just get there, but when we get there, now it's like this moving target. Now it's over there. And throughout this series, through the, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be just talking about these, these bombs that come into our life. Maybe it's a, 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 an incoming bomb of comparison. We, we look at people around us and we begin to compare our lives with theirs and what they have and what they do and where they go and the things that they have. Maybe it's a bomb of just wastefulness. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week of, of, of just, man, God, what, maybe it's this bomb of generosity that we're not giving into. I believe this with all of my heart, that avoiding financial fallout and walking in freedom is less about dollars and more about cents. You see what I did there? You see, you see what I did there? So often we look at our finances and we think, if I can just balance this, if I can just put everything where it goes, it's less about dollars and more about cents. What that simply means, it's not about your head, it's about your heart. I, I read this this week. The annual uh, Modern Wealth Survey says the average person surveyed believes that an average net worth of $774,000 a year is what it takes to be financially comfortable. Where's that guy working? I want to go there. <laughs> the average person believes that $774,000 is what it takes to be financially comfortable. So, so then I ask myself this question, well, is it wrong for me to want $774,000? Is, is, is that, I mean, is it wrong to have that much money? Is it wrong, you know, how much is enough? Where, where do I have to stop? And maybe some of you are like, okay, well, what does God's word say? Is there, is there any authors in the Bible that reveals like, here's this, you got to have this amount and then you're good. All right. Well, the answer to that is no. Okay. The Bible doesn't talk about how much net worth you should have and how much God approves of. But the Bible talks a lot about our heart when it comes to money, about the way we look at our finances. And so to answer, you know, maybe the question that we're asking, uh, uh, when is enough enough? Maybe that's the wrong question. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but I want to show you what Paul says when he kind of changes the conversation, instead of uh, uh, when is enough enough, he kind of changes this conversations from gains and losses and, and, and the way that we think about finances. He says this in, in uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. What he's saying again is money's not the issue. It's not about how much money you do have or you don't have. Here's what he's saying. What really matters is what are you willing to do? 
What are you willing to give into? What are you willing to give away to have that? It's not about an amount, but what are you willing to give away of yourself to get that amount? In the book called The Day America Told the Truth, the question was asked, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? Maybe some of you have played this game with your friends. What would you be willing to do for $10 million? 25% of Americans answered that they would abandon their family. 16% said they would give up their American citizenship. 10% said they would withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free. 7% said they would kill a stranger. 3% said they would put their children up for adoption. And I know some of you in here, you're thinking, well, Bobby, man, that's crazy. Those are terrible. Like, I would never do that. Well, let me step on your feet for a second, okay? Parents, how much time do you drop? How much hard work do you drop? How much hope do you drop into your job more than your kids? I told you I want to get a little personal today. How much effort, how much, how much strength, how much focus do you put into your job and your finances and your bank account more than you put into discipling and spending time and loving your family? Pastor, we got to pay bills, man. We gotta, I got to pay the bills. Sure you do. But does your family need all of that stuff more than they need you? Do your kids need all that new stuff more than they need you in their life? Are you, are you dropping time to talk and to disciple and hang out with your family? Kind of picking on parents in here. But, but let me talk to those that are single or, or young married couples or, or, or even students. Students in the room. The new phone, the, 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 the new set of clothes, the first car, the first home. Anything that you want to drop whatever is in your life in order to go get, to scrap together, is it worth it? Is it still worth it when you drop the phone and the screen cracks? Is it still worth it when, when the engine dies or when the water heater starts to leak? Maybe, maybe this is the question for you today. Is your happiness tied to gas prices and house prices in the stock market? Paul gives us this warning. You keep reading in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He tells us to be content. But then in verse 10, he says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. By craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And I just want to sit there for a second because I know just from being a pastor for a long time and, and, and being someone who, who, you know, has finances and a bank account and, and money and emotions and all that, I want you to see that. Some have wandered away from the faith. Look at that last part. Pierce themselves with many griefs. When you're sitting here today and when you talk about money and finances, if all you think is grief, all you think is struggle, all you can think is that argument you had the other day when we were balancing the checkbook and you're like, why did you go spend this much money? All you can see is grief. Paul says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That word pierce there, he says, he pierced themselves with many, grief, many griefs. The word pierce is parapero, 
para, paro. In Greek, it's best translated as this, wound deeply, or to be put on a stick and roasted like a pig. Wound deeply. Now, maybe when you start thinking about your finances and your, your, your money situation, maybe that's where you're at. There's this deep wounds. There's this deep struggle. And I want you to hear, this is, this is not about me guilting you. I don't want anything from you. This is not about guilt. This is not about debt. This is about in, avoiding these incoming bombs uh, uh, that, that are going to bring grief, that are going to bring pain into our lives of wounds that can last a lifetime. One of the biggest incoming bombs that all of us face is the, is the bomb of comparison. All of us in some way, there's this bomb of comparison. And what does that always lead to? It leads to discontentment. It leads to striving after more and more and more. And, and, and we got to be honest. I, I would doubt that many people uh, uh, drive around their neighborhood and they look inside their neighbor's house. Well, what do they have so I can go buy it? Like, like we don't do that. But like subconsciously, they're like, man, do you see them? They got that nice new car. Mine's a little old. I, I, that'd be nice. Oh, do you see they moved and they, they live in, the, they got a pool? How do we, how do we get rid of these, these bombs of comparison before they ever go off? Well, I want you to think about this. For those of you who maybe grew up in church, you know, well, the, the, the guys who followed Jesus, the very first followers of Jesus, what did they do? They left everything behind them. They quit their jobs. They dropped their nets. They left their tables and they said, all right, Jesus, I'm following you. Now, right now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to encourage you to do that today, okay? That's, that's not what we're going to do, all right? I'm not telling you to quit your job. Please understand, I'm not telling you to quit your job, okay? But I can only imagine that surviving day to day was still a, still a struggle in those guys' mind and in their heart. They're like, all right, I'm just going to give it all. We're going to follow you and we'll figure it out, Right? Matthew, one of the followers of Jesus, he remembers when Jesus was encouraging. Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says this, that, that Jesus was telling his followers this. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and body and clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Oh, man, this is one of those verses that we don't like to read, right? Because when it comes to finances, worry is like the first thing I do. When it, comes to, when it comes to paying bills, when it comes to figuring it out, well, how are we going to do this? Worry is the first thing I do. One author said it like this, worry never fixes tomorrow, but it always ruins today. Worry never fixes tomorrow, but it always ruins today and some of us we have uh, remember the griefs the 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 ruins that we have in our lives some of you have these these crater side wounds sized wounds of of worrying and 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 we experience the bombs of comparison just constantly coming in my life well I want that and it's no fair that they get that and I'm just start I start compared to everything around me but I want you to see this. Don't, don't miss this. Jesus goes on and says this in, in verse 28. He says, why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the richest and wisest guy in all of his splendor, was adorned like one of these. Verse 30, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. Don't worry of saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. The Gentiles eagerly seek all the things your heavenly Father knows that you need. Man, Pastor... Bobby, that's all good, right? That's all good. But man, when the, the comparison comes, when the neighbor pulls in with their, with their new car, when the, when the kid's at school, they got the new, the, the new clothes, the, the pictures that I see where my friends went on vacation, that comparison, what, what do I do? Where do how do I find shelter from that? Because God, that's a struggle. That, that's one of those places that I get pierced, that I get wounded, that I start to struggle when I start seeing all this. What do I do? I want to give you this Today, the starting place, if you will, that you and I can seek shelter, number one, is find shelter in contentment. Find shelter in being content. Now, this is a lot easier said than done, but I want you to see how Paul did this, all right? Don't miss this. Paul was, he traveled a lot. He was a small business owner. He was an entrepreneur. Uh, and look what he says. He's kind of bragging here. He says, I know how to make do with a little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. You're like, there you go. Let's just do that, right? Let's just do that. That's my mindset. I can do good when there's a little bit. I can do good when there's a lot. Paul's bragging. Good for you, Paul. I'm not that way. But I want you to see this, and don't miss this, highlight this verse, Philippians 4, the next verse 13, he shares, how does he get there? How, how, what's the secret to being able to be content and finding contentment? He says this, I'm able to do all things through him who gives me strength. I'm able to do all things through him who gives me strength. Listen today, church, being content cannot happen apart from Christ. Being content in this world cannot happen apart from Christ. So the next time you, you begin to look and you begin to compare and you begin to feel this, this struggle with discontentment, I want you to memorize this verse. Remember what Paul says, I'm able to do all things. The bills are piling up, Lord. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm scared. I begin to worry. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Claim this verse over your finances. Claim this verse over your house. Claim this verse over your broke down car. Speak it into existence. Pray over it. Make your next move make sense from a place of contentment, not a place of comparison. As we close today, I told you I just kind of wanted to lay the foundation today and just talk through a couple of these church words and what does God's word have to say to us about finances and contentment the biggest portion that I want you to walk away with here today it's not about head knowledge about your finances it's about your heart maybe you're here today and the reality is there's a struggle there's a financial struggle there's a, there's a heart struggle with contentment there's a heart struggle with comparison well, one of the things that we want to do is to help you with that journey. We want to help you on this generosity journey. We want to help you let this be a healthy place in your life. And so here in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start a class called FPU, Financial Peace University. Some of you may have taken this class. Some of you are like, what the heck are you talking about? 
There's a guy named Dave Ramsey, and he took the Bible, and he shows us how that we can have peace in our hearts, how we can live a life that is pleasing to God, where we're not focused on how much we have. We're on this generosity journey. If, if you are in this place of struggle, please, I'm, I'm just encouraging you today. Sign up. Maybe you just want to get a little more, a little more wisdom about how to handle your finances. Sign up. This day and this series, it's all about how do we dodge those incoming bombs of comparison? How do, how do, we, how, how do we dodge those bombs that, so that our family can walk in freedom? So that our hearts can be open and fulfilled to what God has for us? Maybe you're here today and, and the reality is you're struggling with contentment because you realize there's a debt in your life that you cannot pay. Don't, don't turn me off, I promise. We're, we're going to be done here in just a minute. We're going to go to lunch. It's going to be great, okay? Don't, don't turn me off just yet. But you need to be honest today and recognize the debt that you have. Every single one of us have a spiritual debt. We have a life debt that we cannot pay back. And the only thing that, that gives us hope is Jesus. The spiritual debt that we have is called sin. It's because of our sin. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And for all have come short, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then God writes this check. God writes this check and he says, the free gift that I give you is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's your check. Here's the way that you pay back this debt. I'm going to give you my son. And I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for your sins so that you don't have to live in that debt any longer. And God offers you and I this, this free gift of salvation. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The debt that you owe can be taken care of today. The debt that I owe can be taken care of because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Maybe today you realize that your discontentment in your finances, your struggle, your piercing, your, your ruin is caused because of your relationship with Christ. You can fix that today. But for some of you in here, you've, you've accepted that check. You've accepted that free gift from God. But the reality is when you start talking about finances, oh, it's a touchy subject. We don't even go there. We can't even have a normal conversation about this. I don't know where you're at on your journey. I don't know where you're at on your generosity. But I told you at the beginning of this service today, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. It's not about your finances supporting City Hope Church. Because I promise you, I didn't know half of you when we started this church and we said yes to God. It's not about, it's not, it's about Connecting your heart with God. And when these bombs come in, we're at a place where you say, okay, God, you got it. We trust you. Where are you at on your generosity journey? Are you giving God a tip? Or are you tithing? Are you walking in contentment or are you walking in comparison? 
Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I just want to encourage you to be obedient today. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in different ways. I'm going to ask you right now, here in a second, Brad and the team is going to sing a song. We're going to have a moment of just response, a way for us to respond to what God's doing in our heart. Maybe that's right in your seat. Maybe that's praying with your family. Maybe that's grabbing one of our team in the back. Come up here and grab me. We can pray. We can talk. But whatever it is, would you just be obedient today? Would you take a step in the direction that God has for you? If you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's, where, that's number one. That's number one. That's the debt that you can't pay. you got to let... Let Jesus pay that for you. Father, I just pray right now in this moment that you would just speak truth into our hearts. I know for many of us, we didn't come to church today thinking about money or wanting to talk about money, wanting to talk about finances. But God, this is such an area that can have so much control over us. I pray that today that that families would begin walking in freedom. Because we're following the example that you gave. That we're, 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 we're trusting in you, Lord. We're, we're not trying to figure it out on our own. We're giving you our hearts. We're giving you the discontentment. I pray that you would help us to live a life of being content with what you've given us. Lord, I pray that we would walk out of here not with our hands held tight on, on our finances, but with our hands held open in full surrender that you would use us to make a difference. Whatever step we're on in this generosity journey, Lord, would you speak truth into our hearts, give us boldness, give us courage, give us faith to be obedient to you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. You need somebody to talk to, pray with, whatever it is, you be obedient today. Let's sing together. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.